0: I'm Monica, your host for today's episode. Most of us know the stress of multiple commitments, work, family, relationships or marriage, domestic responsibilities, aging parents, special needs care, and the list goes on and on. Some or all of these factors can have a compounding effect on women in the workplace, resulting in burnout. Today's guest, Laura Pollack, shares her work-life journey and how approaching fifty opened her eyes. As a founding partner of Third Street Partners, a lot of her children's youngest years coincided with growing her company. She shares stories with us of what she has learned along the way about mom guilt and raising three girls to be strong women. But most importantly, how having a great life partner, in Laura's case, her husband, helped her manage it all. Laura believes in the power of having tough conversations and speaking up for yourself. She started her company with the mission of adding value to clients and continues with that motivation today. She can relate to the sacrifice many people have to make to further their careers. And finally, learn from Laura about her experiences working with her own mentors and the importance of nurturing your relationships. Visit I Am Beyond Barriers where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Laura. Welcome, Laura. Thank you so much for joining us on the Beyond Barriers podcast. We are thrilled to have you here and to share a little bit about your story and your journey um, and what you've learned along the way. You know, you are working in an industry that can be very male dominated. What have you learned and ha- what has helped you become successful? Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Hmm. Wow, that's such a, a, I could spend days on that. Um, and <laughs> I will say I'm still learning yeah, um, and and I think that's really important. Um, I do work in financial services, specifically asset management. um the 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 joy of working in asset management is you're surrounded by a lot of smart people that mm-hmm. are curious um, that are in it to provide income for people that are retiring um and there there are many people that we provide um services for are people that are everyday policemen, firemen. So there's a bit of um altruistic piece to that. Yes. Um but it is a collection of very type A people, um mostly men, mostly white men. Mm-hmm. Um and I will say that I've learned a couple of things along the way, but the thing that keeps me grounded is knowing who I am. Um, being confident in my abilities, being confident that I know what I know, mm-hmm. but more importantly, being to speak up to the things that I don't know and taking the opportunity to learn from people that have either done it longer than I have, are experts in a particular field, and allowing myself to be vulnerable in that mm-hmm. moment and learning from that and then being able to add that to my um, quiver of, of arrows. And mm-hmm. that's been my success um to date. And I think it's really hard as women to mm-hmm. put ourselves out um yes. and, and be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um and so that 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 fear, I put it deep down in my stomach. Not sure if that's healthy or not, but I put it <laughs> deep down in my stomach. And I put a smile on my face and I and I put myself out there. Um, and oftentimes, if I reflect on that experience, I say, ah, that wasn't so bad. Mm. And what was the takeaway? Um, and it is my career. And I think the people that I work with, their careers, it's all about learning. You never stop learning. And so yes. if, you, if, you, if you shut down and say, I'm, I'm an expert, then you've really inhibited your ability to grow. Mm-hmm.
0: That's phenomenal and so insightful. And I love what you said about learning because we here at Beyond Barriers, Beyond when we are working with um, the women in our um, you know, uh, performance accelerators, we tell them that the new superpower is learning. It's all about just-in-time learning and that you don't have to be that expert. You just have to be confident in your aptitude to learn really quickly. Um, so I think that's really powerful what you just said. And I think the other thing that you mentioned is the, you know, confidence and the vulnerability in saying you don't know what you don't know. Um, But how would you frame that? You know, because I get women all the time to say, well, if I tell them they don't know, they're going to think that I don't know. They're going to think less of me. But I always tell them there's a way that you frame it. Um, how do you do that? Say that there's a scenario and I asked you a question or asked you for a stat or asked you for some information and you didn't know the answer. How would you answer that?
1: <laughs> it's a great question because I'm one of those people that prepares and prepares and prepares for every single question so mm-hmm. that I, for me to feel comfortable, I feel like I have to know everything. Right. And as I've gotten older, um, I realize that it's not possible to know everything. Mm -hmm. And by feeling like you know everything, you miss out on a lot. Mm. And so when I'm in a meeting and there's a question around an investment strategy, um, I'm not a portfolio manager. I wasn't an analyst. I'm a a, a talent strategist. um, And I know a lot of things about people and how they could run money or how they could be the best portfolio manager or the best analyst. Um, But if they start going too far into the weeds around that particular topic how to how to in, how to invest in certain types of fixed income i say whoa this is like latin for me <laughs> and and i pull back and i then say here's what i can be helpful with and i can help you find a really good portfolio manager for the following reasons and mm-hmm. this is what's important um relative to their ability to manage money and how they manage money and what makes them unique as a particular fixed income portfolio manager. I'm gonna lean on you to help me with that. Mm. So I don't I don't I don't put out say, I don't know. I deflect Mm -hmm. and then I put it back on them because I realize in some in some cases it's a test. Right. They're trying to find a reason to make themselves feel better. Mm-hmm. In a situation that's uncomfortable because right. maybe this um, leader doesn't have a good team of mm-hmm. investment professionals working under them. So mm-hmm. they're vulnerable and, or they're saying, what does this person bring to the table? And I want to re- be really honest what I do and what I don't bring to the table, because that's where there's an opening to bring someone else that has that expertise. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I've learned, if I don't have the answer, it's better to say, wow, that's a really interesting question. I hadn't thought of that. Give me a minute and I'm going to come back to you. Mm -hmm. And not only do you come back with the answer in an incredibly well thought out way, but there's always something else you can add. After Mm -hmm. you reflect on a conversation or a meeting or a situation, it's an opportunity for you to go back to that person with the answer, but offer, offer something else. And that's a really interesting takeaway that a lot of women don't think about. They're too nervous about right. well, what, what if they, what if they ca- catch me, you know, my belly versus, you know, I'm standing strong. It's um, it, it, but again, allowing yourself to deflect, be honest, um, but help them see what you do bring to the table. Mm-hmm.
0: I love that. That's such a tangible example that you gave. And the important thing I heard you say is, having the clarity of what you bring to the table and what you don't bring to the table is so important. Can you talk about the key or or how did you gain clarity or how did you kind of, one, gain clarity on your career path, but then two, gain the clarity on your strengths of what is your unique value proposition? What are the value cards that you bring to the table? That's powerful. And, you know, Did it happen overnight? Did did it take
1: you a while? (laughs) Like, talk about that process. I I think it was, I think it's gray hair. Mm -hmm. You know, I was one of those people that couldn't wait till I'm 50. (laughs) And it was like, why? Because I think as a woman, when you're 50, Mm -hmm. you have the ability to call bullshit. Uh, And and, and, and you don't do that. You can't do that when you're 30. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, being 50, the difference between 30 and 50. Is 20 years, 20 really long years. Mm-hmm. And it's long life years. You learn a lot. Most of the time, that's when women have children, when mm-hmm. women are getting married, when women are figuring out how do you manage your career, how are you climbing up the corporate ladder, you're taking mm-hmm. on um, e- increasing roles of responsibility with an organization, you're maybe taking on leadership roles, you're um, asked to move different companies. Um, mm-hmm. The stakes, it's, it's almost like going up a roller coaster. You can hear the gears as you go up the hill and it's click, 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 click. There's <laughs> yeah. always that fear. When are we going to get to the top and are we going to go crashing down?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
1: so the closer you get to 50, you realize that the top of the, the, the roller coaster isn't really a steep drop. Mm. You get to the top of the roller coaster and you look around and you say, "Huh did I, did I like the top of this roller coaster? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it wasn't what I thought it was going to be." And you have the opportunity to take what you've learned and pivot. And it's kind of going into that point you made around clarity and being clear with what you want. Mm-hmm. I think it's really hard. You know, we always ask our children, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm -hmm. I never ask my kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? Who the hell knows? Mm -hmm. You're seven. (laughs) Exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. You know, I say, what do you like to do? Well, Mm -hmm. I I, I like to act. I like to jump on the trampoline. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. How do we do more of that? Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you, how do you going into summer camp or going into school? Do we, maybe it's a gymnastics class that you can spend more time doing that. Well, you should continue to do that in your career and as you get older mm. so you know you by the time you're 30 you've found yourself in um a, a career maybe it's media maybe it's finance maybe it's advertising whatever the case maybe it's technology whatever the case it is you say well what do i like about this industry mm-hmm. okay what are the things that i liked coming into my, my my work what did i like coming out of college and you start to, it's really important for people. And, and, and a lot of people learn this coming out of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. What do you like to do? Because yes. we spend so much time in our, in our career that you can't, and for, for the most of us, not everyone, but most of us can, can reflect on what we like to do. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have to scrub toilets and work three jobs. There are some people that do, and God bless them. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, the, the women and people that are listening to this podcast have the freedom to think about what they really like, what's important to them, what makes them feel um, full. Mm-hmm. What they, what do they want to do more of? What kind of culture do they want to work in? Yes, it's super important. Um, what are they? And then, and then, just as important, what do you not like? I find oftentimes when I counsel people, I say, What do you not like? Well, I don't know. I'm like, Well, that's a problem. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You have to know what you don't like. Mm -hmm. And you have to be honest with yourself about what that is. Mm -hmm. And almost like set up, and I tell people this set up a traffic light. So here's a list of the things you like, and here's a list of the things that you don't like. And as you approach your career, if any of those things, Go to red. Don't go. Don't go forward. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know. And and, and, and and if they're green, great. If they start becoming yellow, it's time to reevaluate.
0: Yes, I love that analogy.
1: And um, and so as women, we oftentimes, and I see this more with women than men. Men. I'm making a generalization. We take a lot of crap that men just don't. Yes. We're very accepting. We were taught at an early age. Don't, don't, don't speak up. Um, Don't wear this. Don't say that. Um, And instead you do need to wear that. You do need to speak up. You do need to um, do it in a, in a, in a thoughtful way, in a constructive way, but you should always stand up for yourself, no matter how uncomfortable. And so, you know, if there is an opportunity for promotion in a, in a, in a role or a team that you want, go for it Mm -hmm. and use your network to say, this is what I really want. How should I go about doing it Mm -hmm. and, 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 and really make it your mission to get out of your lane. Yes, I find so oftentimes women just stay in the lane and they are very reactive with their career, not proactive with their career.
0: Oh my God. Yes. I love that. You just said that.
1: They don't manage their career. Mm -hmm. I talked to so many senior women and I mean, senior women managing 300 plus people. And I say, what is the last chapter of your career look like? And they're like, I don't know. I'm like, you're 50. How do you Mm -hmm. not know this? Okay, (laughs) let's figure that out. Or um, Mm -hmm. I I see that they are not paid what they want to get paid. Mm -hmm. Why? What have you done about that? Or they say, well, I need. I'm looking to leave my organization, even though I love the culture. I love what I do. I love my team, but I'm not getting paid what I want. Okay. Mm Have you told your organization, your employer, your boss, this? No. Mm -hmm. Why? Mm -hmm. So you'd rather risk all of the stuff that's really hard to create and go somewhere else just because you're too afraid, not unwilling, afraid to have that tough conversation. Yes. Worst case, they say no. Well, then there's your answer. Because... (laughs) And, 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 again, you need to be honest. I feel like I'm underpaid, do your homework. I'm underpaid relative to the market, you know, other people in a similar role, similar um, mm-hmm. organization um, and, 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 and kind of put that out there mm-hmm. and it's super scary and super uncomfortable, but what I guarantee you literally guarantee you, you will not lose your job because mm-hmm. you ask for more money. Right. If you do it in a thoughtful, constructive way with information behind it, then shock, you may actually get it. Yes, absolutely. But if you don't, the only person you're hurting is yourself.
0: Yep. I mean, it's like you're making it, like I tell people, you need to decide whether you want to have this conversation or not. And, to su- and deciding not to have the conversation is also a choice. You're making, a, you know, you're, you're making the choice. But I agree with you of we have to get out of our own way. And like you said, it is most of the time, it's not because you're not willing to have the conversation. It's just that you're afraid to have the conversation and really understanding what is that fear about. And then, like you said, it's analyzing that fear. Well, I've, I'm afraid if I ask for more money, I'm going to get fired. Well, what is the real likelihood of that? On what grounds, right? On what Mm -hmm. grounds could they fire you? And so, really poking holes in some of these fears and saying, "Is that really realistic?" And I love the example that you use because it's a very real example, and we hear it all the time: "of I'm underpaid," or you know, "I I'm looking for a new job," and it's like, "But why?" And I think the golden thing you said was like, "You've built all of this social capital already." In this organization, mm-hmm. you're going to have to go somewhere else and start over. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, is it worth it? And you mm-hmm. know, so I think that's so important. And you talked about these are these are like difficult decisions, right? Mm-hmm. And risks taking risks over the course of your career. Like, what are some of the techniques you've used when you when you say I have a really tough decision? Um, you know, whether it's around a courageous conversation or an ask, you know, for a promotion or a raise how do you make difficult decisions? What are some of the techniques or the tactics? Because you do, you're you have really great examples and stories <laughs> of like tangible, like how do you do it? So how would you make, or how do you make difficult decisions?
1: Well, I, one of the hardest decisions I ever made was starting my own company. Mm, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I was with an organization um, that knew ultimately I wanted to start my own um, firm. Mm-hmm. And when the time came, um, I took a huge risk, um, by going to them in the fall before mm. my bonuses was paid, which mm. was the end of December, because I thought it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I did that and I said, I'm looking to start my own firm. I can work through a transition plan. That was not the case. A week later, um, after my boss said, well, I always knew you want to start your own firm, but I thought you had a third kid in you. So I felt like we had more time, which was super insulting. Yes. (laughs) Um, And I said nothing um, because I focused on what I wanted, the conversation Mm -hmm. at hand. And we agreed um, to a transition plan. Mm -hmm. A week later, um, I got word not to come back and that I would be talking to his attorney. and he found a way not to pay me my entire year wow i lost a lot of money Mm -hmm. i started my firm with the support of some amazing friends one one friend gave me space um within 24 hours all this happened super quickly because i didn't expect to be Mm -hmm. thrown out the door with no Mm -hmm. money and i um Had a space from a very special friend. Um, I had the support of many of my clients. Mm -hmm. um, And I had a couple of folks that started with me who were Mm -hmm. incredibly supportive and we worked all the time. And I had the support of my husband because Mm -hmm. I had a three and a half year old and I had a 15 month old at home. Wow. And um, he was willing to take the financial risk, he was willing to step up as the lead parent. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked all the time. And some some client said to me, How's it going? And I said, Oh, great. And he's like, No, 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 how's it really going? I said, <laughs> it's um electrifying, it's intoxicating, and it's terrifying all at the same time. Yes. I lost 20 pounds. Um, I worked 18-hour days.
2: Mm. Um,
1: but but what I re- I knew that I needed to make a change because that other organization wasn't a fit for me anymore. Right. And I also knew that I was going to be a friend of mine said this to me, and it really has resonated. And I use this advice to other people when they're making a career transition, I had to jump off the cliff. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when you get fired, you know, somebody puts, um, you know, Pushes you or puts a yeah. bullet to your to your back back of your head, and you're like, okay, it's done. I didn't have to do it. I had to jump off the cliff, mm-hmm. and that was really hard. Um, but I owed it to myself mm-hmm. to to push forward. And in the face of so much risk, um, it worked out. But I never lost my my vision of what I wanted to create. Mm-hmm. in my firm. And, mm-hmm. and that mission has stayed. It's to mm-hmm. add value to clients, to do executive search in a really thoughtful way, mm-hmm. um, to, to, to uncover every stone, to think about diversity, to, 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 to be able to give back um, to others. And, and, and as that, as that has, has built, and I've had lots of challenges running, for, running my firm, I've learned a ton Mm-hmm. Um, I always say I have four children, three that um, <laughs> I had from my, my my stomach and one that I created uh, on my own um, in, in Third Street. And mm. um, just two years ago, as the pandemic turned, we added another business um, to executive search, the advisory business. And that was, again staying true to the mission of, of what I wanted to create in a firm, adding value to clients. And so now we can do team liftouts and small firm acquisitions. Mm. And it's also an extension of us being able to look to team investment teams and people and saying, are you in the right firm? Are you able to do what you want to do? Are you in the right culture? Are you able to get the, the, the platform to help you? And finding maybe a better lily pad, pad for nice. some of these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really gratifying to me. Mm. And so I was able to take a huge risk. I had the support of my family, which was I don't I don't think I could do it without it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of mother's guilt. Mm-hmm. That 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 is not yes. to be ignored for a working mother. Mother's guilt will kill you. Yes. Um, and I I have a firm that I'm incredibly proud of. I have um, a team of people that work with, with me. Um, that is incredible. I, I have three young women that I'm raising that see me and want to be like mom. Um, oftentimes they'll listen in to some of the conversations so they can mm-hmm. learn. Um, it's, it's, it's gratifying, but not without a lot of fear. Wow. That is so inspirational. I
0: mean, I, I, I can see the, you know, But what I see that was your intrinsic motivation was that clear, compelling vision you set for yourself and what it is that you wanted to achieve. What if you could pinpoint the invisible ceilings limiting your success? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers so you can take action and gain unstoppable momentum to advance as a future ready leader. Well, that's exactly what the Beyond Barriers quiz will help you discover. You'll get your personalized score based on the 25 essential elements proven to accelerate success in the digital age so you can understand what's holding you back and where to focus your efforts. The Beyond Barriers quiz is completely free and takes just a few minutes. Go to iambeyondbarrierscom quiz and take the quiz today. We dig into a little bit about the mom guilt and the um and and the importance of the supportive spouse right and um how did you set those like how did you create the boundaries and how did you like deal with the mother's guilt or or did you not like what what did you learn from that and what would you tell the audience if they're dealing with that but they still have big aspirations what should they do
1: yeah um that was probably the hardest part of my career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a mentor that um, when I had my first child, she called me and incredibly senior woman. And she said, um, congratulations. And I said, oh, thanks. And I thought it was gonna be a warm, fuzzy call. Instead, it was the opposite. She said, congratulations. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, thanks. And she said, now you're not perfect anymore. I said, what are you <laughs> talking about? It was like <laughs> the biggest backhanded comment. And she said, because you never are going to be able to be 110% devoted to work or Mm. 110% devoted to your husband or your friends. You're going to have to choose. And there are going to be times that as hard as it's going to be something and, and, and usually multiple things have to suffer Mm. and it will change every day. It may change within the hour. And so it's a constant emotional juggling act. And there are, I will be honest, there, there are days, there are hours that I am not the best mom. Mm. Often, more times than not, I'm probably not the best wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the person that takes it the hardest is me because I very rarely focus on me. Right. Um, so I get, I, get, I get it last because I, I take care of everybody else before I take care of me. Um, and only now am I dealing with that. So, um, it's a constant work in progress. Um, but the mom guilt when I when I came back from my first maternity leave, um, I I seriously thought that I would quit my job and we'd live on my husband's salary and at the time my husband was a journalist. Um, mm-hmm. and I knew we'd have to move somewhere else. And I was willing to give that up because you know, as, as mammals and human beings, yes. we are, there is a nature versus nurture. Your mm-hmm. body says you have to take care of this offspring. Mm-hmm. Your brain says, no, I don't want to give up my career. I don't want to do this. But then the, the, the body takes over mm-hmm. and, and then you're leaking everywhere. You go to work. You've still got a <laughs> postpartum. You're figuring out how do you make this all, all work? Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to focus. Um, and then the nanny calls or your spouse calls and says, oh, they just took their first whatever. And you're like, oh <laughs> my God, I missed this. How did I miss this? Cause of course you're, most of us are type a and we mm-hmm. want to see all of it. Yes. Um, so, but what I realized every day that I came back, it was got a little easier. Of course there'd be bumps. I'd miss the first something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I realized that. I was a better person, therefore a better mother, because I was doing something that I wanted to do. Mm. And that was a good example for me to set. I also say the working, the working mom's guilt, our stay at home friends, stay at home mom friends, not always so helpful. Right. You're happy to judge. Mm -hmm. And, and now being close to 50, (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. I know that that comes from insecurity. Mhm. They're yeah. just as insecure as we are, just in a different way. Right? And oftentimes they're jealous that we get to ride a train, we get to have this luxurious thing called travel. We get to <laughs> dress up. And and it takes a while to realize that. Um and but but finding someone at work or a really good friend um or and and sometimes a spouse, I think the spouse is harder, um, mm-hmm. to talk about the mom guilt mm. and the spouse is harder because, um, if, if it's not a female, men don't have this. My husband has no idea what I'm talking about. He does <laughs> not feel it at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I do, and it's very real.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. That is so insightful. And I think really powerful for, um, our audience to hear, And you talked a little bit, you touched on, you know, having mentors and that mentor who reached out to you and said, hey, you're Mm -hmm. no longer going to be perfect Mm -hmm. and was kind of a truth teller for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you talk a little bit more about, you know, one, the importance and the power of having mentors like that, that kind of um, are the truth teller and kind of help coach you through that. But thinking also on the career side, the power of identifying mentors and sponsors that are going to help open the doors and help you, you know, do the, you know, the thing you wanted to do from a career perspective, as well as being a mother, Mm -hmm. that it's not a this or that, but a this and that with the help of mentors and sponsors, what, what was key for you? Was it, you know, who did you, how did you develop some of those relationships or how did you even identify those people?
1: Identifying, I'll leave for a second. I think that's harder. Um, mm-hmm. And I think one of the things around mentors is it's not a one size fits all, mm, right? Um, it's really important to have different kinds of mentors because you're because mm-hmm. everybody has a, an expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have um, senior men that are mentors mm. for, for for certain things that that I rely on them for. Mm-hmm. I have um, senior women that I've reached out to. I also have younger women, mm-hmm. um, because I want to know what are they experiencing, what mm-hmm. are they reacting to. You know, I, I, when we were um figuring out how to recruit um folks that are Black heritage, mm-hmm. um, we went to some some what we call friends of the firm, mm-hmm. and that identifies Black heritage, mm-hmm. and we had a really honest conversations how do how do you want to be reached out to mm. you know a lot of firms want people that um you know are black heritage but i don't want to just call you because you're black mm-hmm. it just seems wrong right um you know this is how i feel so how do i approach people this demographic such that it's genuine and it's real and i was a little afraid about having this conversation because it's kind of taboo Right. And, 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 and this person, and there were multiple people. So persons that I reached out to, the first person was the hardest. Mm-hmm. And I went out to someone that I had known for probably 20 years mm-hmm. and I had developed a relationship irregardless of the color of their skin. Mm-hmm. And, um, I felt like I knew him really well.
2: Mm-hmm. And so
1: I started the conversation by saying, Hey, I'd like, this is what I'm looking to do. This makes me super uncomfortable. I, so I put my vulnerability out there. Yes. Um, and I said, I don't know if I'm saying this the right way. I don't want this to come across as anything other than trying to be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and the response I got was above and beyond what I could have imagined. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of became my mentor mm-hmm. with something that I was, and, and I grew up in the South. So so the whole racist and mm-hmm. and, and, and the black, white, just from growing up it is in your face and 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 i realized that so much of that was on me Mm -hmm. and when i was able to kind of put that out there and say i need help with this um it just it 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 opened up a whole no a whole new window and it made Mm -hmm. me see things in a very different way and more importantly it helped me find a way to communicate with him and other people that identified as Black heritage in a way that was helpful, mm-hmm. so I put that out there only because it's something that I think a lot of people can identify with as something that's challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, when you know, in in mentors, when you think about inside an organization, mm-hmm. colleagues. That's challenging because you're putting yourself out there and what happens if they say something to someone or they know something about you that you're a little uncomfortable. That's a tough one to figure out who is someone that you can trust and can also um, respect. Mm -hmm. And it kind of depends on how long you've been in the organization because these relationships take time. Yes, for you to find that person, and oftentimes, is your is your you know earlier in your career, going back to college professors, Mm -hmm. going back to family friends, Mm -hmm. um, that's really helpful, and the family friends, um, you know, seeing if they can connect you, um, Mm -hmm. or if there's somebody in if you're in a basketball league or you're in a tennis league that. Maybe as someone that's much older and doing something. They say, Hey, can I, can I grab a, a coffee with you? Or I'd really like mm-hmm. to get your advice on something.
0: Chances yeah. are that
1: person will be able to give some thoughts. Want, I've rarely come across, and I'm trying to think if I ever have someone that's not willing to be helpful. Right. Um, but always go to someone that you trust first mm-hmm. um, versus just going to someone that has a shiny title or is in the role that you want. Right, because that might put them in a difficult position. Mm-hmm. Um, first, can you trust them? Is their advice going to be um, real and additive? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people have agendas, and you don't know what that agenda is. Right, always. Mm-hmm. So it can be it can be tricky. Yeah, um, for sure. The best piece of advice I give to people um on on mentors is the older you get, the easier it gets because you meet more people. Mm. And you start to see who do you gravitate towards, who inspires you? Who do you respect? who um seems to take an interest in you? Mm-hmm. Um who's genuine? Um, those are all really important. Uh, and it kind of dovetails into something else that i that I really want to highlight for women in particular is references. Mm, So we all have the, the, the um, opportunity to work with people and um, show our value. Mm -hmm.
2: Um,
1: When you move through life or or through your career, you're building references. Mm -hmm. And when you leave a, a, a job or you leave a position, make sure you continue to, 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 to take care of those relationships. It's like growing a garden. I call it yes. the the reference garden. You mm-hmm. have to go back and weed. You have to go back and fertilize. You have to go back and water. And so keep those relationships up mm-hmm. because those are the people they're going to say to folks like myself. So, other search consultants mm-hmm. um, or other people in their network, hey, Laura Pollock, she's really great for the following reasons, or she'd be really interesting for. X, mm-hmm. Y, Z. Yeah. They're going to be your biggest advocate. Yes. And they need to know what you're doing. They need to know why you're doing it. They need to know what you're interested in. So, so even, it can, and, and again, people forget to manage those. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, I'm too busy. No, no, no. That's, that's your greatest asset is mm-hmm. your reference tree. Yes. And, and take care of it
0: so well. That is so powerful. And I love the analogy. You have some amazing analogies. I love the whole reference garden um, because you do have to nurture and maintain those relationships. You can't let them get cold. I usually tell people, you don't want to let those relationships get cold because the last thing you want to do is have to go microwave them to kind of like speed them up because it that feels disingenuous right yes if you're constantly like you said weeding and fertilizing and nurturing those relationships um they're there to support you and i think that's extremely powerful because we all know that half the time the opportunities that come your way are through that community through those referrals through those mm-hmm. references um you know in my history i was Back in the day, I was head of diversity recruiting and I was, you know, so shocked to find that, you know, 80%, 80 plus percent of our hires were all from referrals. Yes. That, you know,
1: by the time we'd be retired somebody... by now if it was the opposite. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> I mean, because by the time the job posting hit the, you know, hit hit the, the job board or whatever, you know, we already had, you know, 20, 30, 40, you know, referrals from internally um, of like, hey, I think, you know, this is this person would be great. So that is so important. And one note, one more thing, I wanted to, to that you said was really powerful that I wanted to bring back to the surface. You said at the very beginning, mentors come in all shapes and sizes. Like there's not one size fits all. And I think what was really powerful that you said that I want to to highlight once more is that you had several mentors that didn't look like you. There were men. There were you know sponsors and advocates that you know, you didn't go seeking out just other women that looked like you, you made sure you identified, you know, who, you know, who has the success, who's been successful and who, who, how can I learn from them? And I think that is really powerful because sometimes being, you know, myself, you know, um, a Latina, a female, Mm -hmm. um, you know, being part of the LGBTQ family, I was a lot of the times the only in the organization and if i would have waited for someone to look like me to kind of help coach me or or mentor me yeah. i like you said i would <laughs> i would have had to retire like mm-hmm. i would just you mm-hmm. know i don't know where i would be um so i think that's really powerful that you said that 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 mm-hmm. you know some of your you know immediately you were like you had a lot of male mentors and um mm-hmm. i just want to drive that point to our audience cuz sometimes they get caught up in the whole affinity of i need someone who looks like me thinks no.
1: like um but what we would learn you learn from people yes. that are different from us? Yeah. <clears throat> and with your mentors, you've got to put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes I'll go to people that I, are my mentors or that I really respect and, and really respect their opinion. I say, I'm having a really hard time with X.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or I may say, you know, I'm trying to break into this market. Mm. How do I do that? So I'm, all, I, I'm showing that I don't know something. I'm mm-hmm. showing that um, we don't have a track record in this space. I'm showing vulnerability and I'm asking for help. Yeah. Women have a really hard time asking for help. Yes. We think we can do it all. Right. And, oh, we've and got we have can, we, <laughs> we can, um, but we need, we need some scaffolding. Yes. And so your mentors help provide scaffolding. But scaffolding only works if you're willing to let it 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 it, 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 it surround you. Mm-hmm. And 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 so I've learned really great um sage pieces of advice. And I've gotten relation additional relationships and different opportunities by allowing myself to be open and honest and vulnerable and ask for help.
0: Mm. That is really, really insightful. And um, I'm going to, I'm going to leave that there. I think this has been mm-hmm. a phenomenal conversation. Uh, so I want to dive into the questions um, that we close all of these with, because we feel like it helps people also uh, learn something, you know, interesting about you. Um, so mm-hmm. I want to jump into the lightning round questions that we shared with you earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, before we close out. So,
1: my first question is, what book has greatly influenced you? <laughs> so I, w- I was talking to some um, folks in, in preparation for this, and yeah. I said, I don't read nonfiction. You know, when I, I finish my day, <laughs> I need I need a break. I need a uh-huh. break. Um, and I, I thought about this, and rather than giving one of my you know historical fiction books that I just yeah. enjoy, I thought about the favorite, my favorite children's book. Mm. Um, that I love to read to my children. I even read it to my 13 year old. Um, It's called the rabbit listened. Mm. And it talks about all these different animals. Um, The elephant the blocks fall apart and the kids really upset and all these different animals come and they say the, the um, elephant said, let's try to remember how it was put together. Let's try to remember the snake says, who's knocked it over. Let's, Mm -hmm go find them. Um, And then at the end, the rabbit comes and says nothing. And the boy just sits with the rabbit. And instead of having a reaction, he just talks to the rabbit about how he feels. Mm. And the rabbit makes no judgment, says nothing. He just listens and at the end, the boy's able to recreate this castle blocks, mm-hmm. and it's better than it was before, mm. all because the rabbit listened. Mm. And so often, we're so focused on what we have to say mm-hmm. and getting in the last word in a conversation. And as a leader, the, be- the best thing you can do is listen.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And I, and I say, listen, because you might just learn something. Yeah. I tell that to my 13-year-old all the time. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's the book that I've actually learned the most from. I love it. I love it. I'm going to have to go buy that
0: book. The Rabbit Listened. <laughs> the Rabbit Listened. Awesome. What is your favorite
1: inspiring quote or saying? Mm, this is easy. Um, happiness isn't getting what you want. It's wanting what you get. Mm. That is happiness.
0: Yes. I love it.
1: What is one word or moniker you
0: would use to describe yourself?
1: <laughs> you know, I thought about a, lot, a lot about this um, and I yeah. can tell you what my, my friends, my husband would say about me. How, how I would describe, describe myself is um, fearless. Mm.
0: I love it. I can see it.
1: yeah and And it's not that I am not afraid and scared. Of course I am. But I know that that is something that is going to bring me down versus allowing me to 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 rise up. Mm. And so I put the wrap around and say, I am going to try in the midst of a lot of things that are incredibly fearful. I don't want to be driven by fear. yeah. That's, Move that's, that's a, that's a, that's, a, that's a, like a, a, um, uh, a straight jacket. Mm-hmm. So I want to be free. And so I try to live my life as being fearless.
0: I love it. Moving forward, despite the fear. Mm-hmm. What is one change? Like, um, a habit, a behavior, some action that you implemented that made your life better. <laughs> I, I I hired a housekeeper. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh my God.
1: That is. I'm there with you. It's So like- that's the advantage of working. Yes. is I, at home, don't have to do the things that I don't want to do. Yeah. And, and it's okay. You know, it, it mm-hmm.
0: you know, you're, you have to be mindful of your time. What is the ROI or the ROE return on energy? Yes. And, you know, and I did the same thing. You know, it was a hard thing for me to do at first, but after I did it, I realized I can now focus on what really matters. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. I I now,
1: when I come home, have time with my kids. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing dishes. I'm not doing laundry. I'm not tidying up. I'm able to spend quality time with my kids because I don't have enough of that.
0: Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. And this is my favorite. So let's pretend, Laura, you're about to walk out on stage and there's, you know, a thousand people in the audience. What is the power song that would be playing when you walked out on stage?
1: Uh, so I thought a lot about this one. So I'm really glad you sent me these ahead of time. Uh-huh. Um, I thought it's um respect by Aretha Franklin. Mm. I love the song, but mm. more importantly, I love Aretha Franklin. Yes. I love what she she did for music, what she did for women in a time that and what she did for 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 black mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. in a time that was not so favorable yes. to all of that. Mm. And she's she's a legend in that um, space. And so I love the song, but more importantly, I love the, the artist.
0: So inspiring. I can't wait to put together a playlist of all the songs that our guests have given us. And I think it'll be such an inspirational pl- playlist that it'll just—I'll have to play it whenever in those moments I need to evoke some inspiration. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been a phenomenal conversation. I—I um, can't um, tell you. I can tell you already that our audiences are going to love this, and it's definitely one for um, us to make sure all of our participants in our program, the po- the people we coach, but most importantly, our audience to hear what you have to say. I think it's, it's definitely powerful. Thank you.
1: Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend about it and subscribe to get new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Visit com where you'll find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests. See you next episode.